Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Lester Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com. And I am joined by football analyst William Gardner. William, the early signing period is coming up here. We're going to do kind of a recruiting show here. It's tough sometimes to do this because news can happen so quickly by the time folks listen to this. So we're going to spend a lot of time on the guys that are expected to sign with the Buffaloes on Wednesday. And then we'll briefly talk a little bit about some of the remaining targets there as well. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. One of the topics I had on here was us discussing whether or not we like this early signing period in mid-December. And uh, I don't know, it makes me a little grouchy. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, I start to feel like Ebenezer Scrooge a little bit. It just you look at the basketball early signing period model. And, and to me, that's the proper way to do it. If these guys want to get their college decision out of the way before their senior season, they can do that. And if there's a coaching change, like we saw McKinley, Wright, He initially signed with Dayton, Archie Miller leaves. He takes the Indiana job. He gets let out of his letter of intent. He can re-explore his options. We saw the same thing with KJ Simpson on the basketball side. He signed with Arizona Sean Miller gets fired, and then he gets an opportunity to go through the process again. So with these summer official visits now, it seems like these prospects should be allowed to shut down their recruitment in July. And if there's a coaching change, maybe they can get a chance to reevaluate things. But there's only a seven-week window between these signing periods. And I don't like. there's a lot of colleges, William, that are preparing for a bowl game right now. Yeah. Uh, they, should, they should be on their campus – developing their guys, getting them ready for the bowl game. But, you know, those bowl practices are huge for the underclassmen in a college program. These coaches shouldn't be having to make tough decisions in terms of how they're going to spend their time this, this time of year, I feel like. Um, and, you know, there's still coaching changes taking place in college programs right now. You look at CU, Jordan Tyson's going to sign with the Buffs on Wednesday, but he doesn't know who his receivers coach is going to be at CU. If right. we were just kind of with the old model, or, you know, an early signing period in July and then the regular one still in February. I think that, you know, some of those coaching dominoes fall by then. And there's just not as much excitement around this December signing period. You look at how the NBA and the NFL have really maximized ways to maintain interest during an offseason. It just felt like that February was away from the bowl games and it just kind of, it was a huge day. And now that February date is not as big a deal. Yeah, I mean the Feb the February date is almost meaningless now. I mean it's it's everything happens for the most part on the first day, the, this the next week in December and the February day, which for decades, frankly, was well, you know, decades and decades was the day when you found out who the new guys in your program were going to be, has sort of faded to non-importance altogether. I got to tell you that your argument about the coaches having to coach bowl games. Doesn't move me a lot for obvious reasons. It's like, gee, so sad for them. <laughs> Not that it's an issue that's going to be a, it's been a problem for us for the last 15 years, but I don't know, you know, part of being a good coach at this level is being able to multitask and do a lot of things at one time. Um, you know, to some extent all throughout the season, they still should be recruiting and the good ones really do and, and being getting out to see people and what have you. So, uh, you know, I think the schools that are in bowl games every year have a have a plan for how they do that, and most of them do it pretty well because they sign pretty good kids, and that's why they're in bowl games. At least one reason why they're in bowl games every year. 
I like it for me personally at, at, at the um, it, it, the suspense of waiting to February is like, you know, kid waiting to open his Christmas presents and, and he can't open them uh, until a week later or something. But uh, I, I get where you're coming from in terms of kids making decisions now and then having and then changes in coaching staff and whatever. But um, I don't know that it cha- that, that, that that changes a whole lot in February either, because, you know, you get some coaches. I don't know. You get the changes all throughout the year. And part of the part of the things that I think it's important for kids to realize is you don't sign with a coach because that coach may not be there by the time you get there. Um, so it's hard to say. I, I, I kind of have liked having it there and um, it kind of gets you locked into who you're going to have um, less time for anybody to steal them from you, I suppose. But it is what it is. And I don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see if there's there's changes to that. This is what we have right now, and so uh, I will I will get excited by the time Wednesday comes around <laughs> once I get all my my signing day prep done. I've got a little bit better head start on it this year. As we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, Colorado has 17 public commitments. One of those, Shaquan Bowser, expected to wait and sign in February. But those other 16 guys that are on the commit list, if you go to buffstampede.com right now under football recruiting, there's the whole commit list there. As of, as of taping again, and, and things change so quickly this time of year, those guys are all expected to sign on Wednesday. There's a couple silent commits. Uh, there are going to be some guys that uh, join this group by the end of Wednesday. Let's start out talking about the guys that we really like in this 2022 class, William. I don't know how many you have picked out of this group, but who are some of the guys that, that you're excited about their potential once they join the herd? Well, I actually picked out, I actually picked out nine guys, Shaquan Bowser being one of them. But what I sort of came up with as a theme was I was, I'm really liking the way the linebacker class is, is shaping up. So you got a big kid in Caden Ludwig, Ludwig, Lud, Ludwig, I believe um, on the outside uh, probably shapes up as sort of a, a playing that same position that uh, Carson Wells played. Aubrey Smith, to me, from Georgia, is one of the higher-rated kids in the class, inside linebacker type. And I think we really need to re- refill this linebacker class because we're, obviously we're losing some a couple of really big names and some question marks about what we have at that position. So I think Kenny Soares is another guy, very athletic, that I like. could probably play any one of those spots. Um, Owen Carey is a interesting guy, you know, so really highly recruited and then some question marks uh, late in the cycle, but he's, he's, he's a guy with some length and some athleticism that I like what I see there. So I like that off that linebacker class, you know, and if you, uh, Shaquan Bowser is another big kid who runs pretty well and we'll see what happens with him. But if you brought in five guys like that, I feel like you have a pretty good uh, chance of two or three of them working out really well, which, you know, is sort of your standard breakdown in recruiting. So I like that linebacker class. I like our two offensive linemen on board. Hey, hey William, let, let's, let's stick with those guys real quick. Um, okay. I, I had Kenny soars as one of my guys that, that I really, really like in this class. It is kind of funny watching his senior clips though. The guys, uh, the offensive lines in his league looked a lot like CU's offense line this last year. There were a lot of times where he was just running up the middle with no, no interference at all. Yeah. Uh, but I really like his size athleticism combination. 
And it's, it's tough when you watch against some of the offenses he was going against to, to really diagnose how good he is as a traffic right. cop. Cause he is projected to be an inside backer. So uh, you don't really see that on his tape, but he sure flashes a lot in his film. And he's a guy that CU's coaches work with individually. He, he went out to Clemson's camp and uh, did really well. Almost got an offer from Clemson this past summer. That, that's a guy that that I do like quite a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about him. I, I get the same thing you do. I mean, you know, Connecticut is not a a, a breeding ground of NFL players by any means, and um, probably even. Uh, lower on the ranking of high school football than Colorado. So just like it's hard to tell with offensive linemen in Colorado because there's nobody to block here. Um, it's hard to tell with him there because the, those offensive lines, so, some of those games that kind of looked like it was peewee football. Um, they weren't big and they weren't fast. And so it's, it, he, he's kind of a guy that stands out um, amongst lesser talent, but I like all the talent that he brings to board, you know, and I'm not making this comparison, but, um, uh, you know, God, I'm getting old again. Um, Nate Landman kind of came out of nowhere in California and nobody expected him to have the kind of instincts that he has, um, either. So you don't know about an inside linebacker really until you get them up at this level and see how they play with big guys and a lot faster speed because inside linebacker, and outside linebacker are very different positions. And outside linebacker, there's really two reads. Well, there's yeah, there's two things. It's either run pass, and it's either coming at you or it's going away from you. At an inside linebacker, it's all coming at you, one way or the other. Um, and the guys who can sort it out the quickest end up being the best players. But I like everything that I see from Kenny Soares, um, and I think he's a good one. Yeah, with uh, the edge guys, Owen Carey is – an interesting case. He's pretty highly ranked. He was committed to Texas for a while. He did really well on the camp circuit and he's playing at modern day with just a ton of talented guys that, uh, you know, our blue chip guys are, you know, high three-star guys like him. It was tough for him to, to get on the field and play a ton his senior year. So just, uh, it's hard to project him based on that, but up until, you know, this season, again, with so many guys on that modern day defense demanding snaps, uh, everything was that he was, you know, this highly regarded guy that uh, all, all our recruiting analysts really like. There's just not a ton of film out there from the senior campaign. No, and I think, you know, that, that again, it's like obviously uh, a lot of schools looked at his film and saw him in person and decided he was good enough to play at this level. Uh, you know, maybe Texas may have moved on. Who knows? Uh, but but they thought he was good enough at one point to both offer and accept his commitment. Um, and I don't think that everything he showed as a junior and, and in the summer magically disappeared or went away. Um, I don't know what's going on on that team out there, but, you know, like you say, that's one of the most talented high school teams in America. And so um, he's not sitting behind guys that are, that are no good. I, I, I think – He's a guy that if he was in Colorado would easily be a high four-star guy that people were going after big time because we don't have teams like that would have multiple P5 level talents on them. But what everybody saw in or and that made them offer him is still there. So none of that is gone. Um, so he's an interesting case to me. And maybe some of that puts the chip on his shoulder and he wants to work even harder. So I'm glad to have him on board. Um, I thought, Early on, when he picked Texas, he was one of my favorite guys at that point. 
too. So big question mark on him. And yeah, that's the interesting things about college football, I guess. And you talked about Cade Ludwig. The the thing that really jumped off the tape was just the motor that he plays with. You can yeah. tell that that kid's got, uh, you know, a, an extra level to his play just in terms of you can tell it's really important to him. Yeah. You know, guy, he, I watched his film and I look at his size and the guy that jumps out in my mind is Tyler Brayton from way back in the day. Uh, was it came in as a similar size guy. You know, I want to say it's somewhere around six, five, six, four, two fifty range. Um, would perfectly built for like a, a four man front defensive end, but this kid can move and he really plays with passion. He gets after and he doesn't quit. I'm, I'm kind of super excited about him. Uh, you know, Oregon's another state not known for great talent, but uh, I think he's a good player that's really going to help us out. He's kind of a tweener in terms of his size, but I really think he needs to be a stand-up outside linebacker again, sort of in the, as I said, in the mold of a Carson Wells kind of a guy. I don't know that he has that explosive athleticism, but he has plenty of athleticism to play at this level. I kind of cut you off. You were about to go down your list of guys that you like, uh, if you want to pick up where you were, uh, where you left off there. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, so I like the two offensive linemen in the class. I, I, I'd like to have, I'd like to have a couple more, frankly, but I think, Carter Edwards is a really good offensive lineman played down South. And I like the senior film. He, he, he is a really brutal run blocker. And I like that a lot. Um, I don't know that he's going to wind up as an offensive tackle. I'm not quite sure. I believe the six, five listing, um, but he's a guy that I think could be a very effective in both pass and run game. He seems to have long arms and plays with a lot of physicality and, you know, down there, in the South and Mississippi and places like that, you're going to see the big defensive linemen and big outside linebackers like you do at P5. So he's likely to come in much more ready for the game. And then Travis Gray, you and I went out and saw him. And I have to tell you, his his senior film as a whole looked a heck of a lot better than what we saw that first game out there. So I'm really excited by the fact that he can improve in a short period of time and show that level of improvement. And man, I mean... I remember that picture of him standing next to me. He's just ginormous. He's one of the biggest kids I've seen in a long time. When they say yeah. six, seven, they are not kidding. And he's got those long arms and uh, super excited to be a buff. But uh, I think if he's got the work ethic, he could be something very special. But I don't think he's going to see the field for a couple of years, two or three years. Travis Gray has an All-American personality. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Great well, kid. And he's. Yeah. yeah, he's been real active on social media. Usually you it's the quarterback in your class that's kind of right. taking the lead, but it's been it's been Travis Gray that's been really vocal trying to get guys, other talented guys with him to Boulder. He's going to be an early enrollee, so that'll at least start that development. Well, you know, and, you know that that night we ran out to see him, we met him after the game. We were talking about he was talking about his dad, and I talked about that I was, you know, part of the same team with his dad, and then I, and I said Something to the effect of, well, you can tell by how old I look. He said, no, no, sir, you look really good. I love that kid. I love that kid. And Carter Edwards, he's a more cerebral personality, but he's a really smart kid. He plans to, and it's not just one of these, I'm, I'm thinking about studying aerospace engineering. He actually made that a priority in terms of picking a college because he's a guy that could have stayed out there in the Mississippi area. Mississippi State was after him. Old Miss showed interest. Uh, Auburn showed some interest this fall. So he had 
other options in that region, but it was meeting with the aerospace engineering professor at CU that, that kind of tipped the scales in, in terms of him picking the buffs. Yeah. And I think that's exciting, you know, and, um, you know, way back in the day, Jim Hansen was an aerospace guy. I'm pretty sure. And, you know, he was a first team, all big eight offensive tackle his, his fifth year. So there's certainly history of guys doing that in our program. And, um, you know, it's typical for the offensive linemen to be the smartest guys on the team. I know some people will laugh at that, but it's true. Uh, and, and, and it's a good thing because there's so much that they have to learn and know, but I think he's also physically speaking, a guy who could contribute fairly early. So I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, you mentioned Travis Gray coming in early. That's going to be a huge thing for him because he'll get that early weight room time and he'll get that, um, first spring practice under his belt with whoever our offensive line coach is, uh, that will help him be more prepared for his first season. Awesome. Any other guys that, uh, you like in this class? Yeah, I, I really like the big tight end out of Texas, Zach Courtney. And I think if he was a kid that played in Dallas or frankly, even if he played in Denver, he'd be a four-star guy that everybody would be after. Uh, he runs really well. And I, what I really like is his, his ball skills and, um, he's got really nice hands and he, he is able to go up and get balls at the high point and, and control himself and has really good body control also likes to block. So that's very good. And no, I'm not looking at him to turn into an offensive tackle for Pete's sake. I'm looking for him to be a mismatch kind of tight end with that size. And I'm really sort of excited about him. Um, and then Zach, Courtney, one, Zach, Zach Courtney had some of the, the most fun film of all these guys yeah, to watch. I mean, he was doing everything. He's blocking field goals, sacking the quarterback. He's making one-handed catches. He's absolutely laying people out as, as a run blocker. But, yeah, I think uh, being at the 2A level, his exposure wasn't quite what some of those other guys had. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's Again, it's tough to judge him against that competition a little bit, right. but it's really is fun to watch that film. If you haven't done that yet, I definitely, I highly recommend his video. Right. And there, and the offensive coaches there really used him well. I mean, they sent him downfield and threw long balls and said, go get it. And he went and got it. And, and like you said, it's really fun to watch. And he kind of does everything on that team. And he's sort of a throwback old school football kind of a guy and just sort of seems to love the game. And I, and that, that makes a big deal because it's hard at this level and it's a big commitment and it's a grind. And if you don't love the sport, you're not going to really do well at it. Didn't he look a little bit like Brady Russell, just as he's just a pure football player. And he's right. even got a kind of a different hair situation with the mullet going on. Yeah. Except significantly bigger. And I think more athletic, frankly. Well, that would work out just well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then the last, the last one I was going to bring up was Dylan Dixon at safety, who I think is likely to be an instant, um, contributor at that position because you know i think we have problems at that position and i really like what he brings to the game so dylan dixon's another one we got great size um and i, I kind of had you know i i've been kind of nervous all all along that he would switch and go somewhere else you know because he just seems to be a uh, there's a reason why he's the number one the highest rated kid in our class i mean he's the real deal i think he was another guy i had on my list of guys that i really like I could almost see him potentially growing into a linebacker too. Just maybe you know, he he played a little bit in space there at Pearland High School. Uh, did pretty much everything for them. They had some injuries right. and they kind of moved him around this year. I, I like the versatility there. He he 
looks like a Pac-12 football player right now, almost on film, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think you could put him into the nickel situation or you could put him up, you know, close to the line and uh, rush the passer with him. And he sort of did a lot, every one of those things that he's another kid that their staff really used well at that school that he filled a lot of roles on defense for them and seemed to really enjoy doing all of those things. One guy that I like quite a bit that's you know not one of the highest rated guys in this class is Simeon Harris from Benicia High School in Northern California. And maybe it's just he earned it the, the old school way. He came out to Boulder in June and just dominated a camp and became a top priority. Then he was initially committed to Fresno State. I always like it a little bit more when you hear these coaches have spent quality time right. working with these guys at a camp. And uh, so he's a guy that with his athleticism, you watch him at high school. In the high school level, he was a good return guy, could be potentially factor in there as well. It was making plays as a receiver. Just looks like a good athlete out there. Yeah, and, and the uh, the the opportunity to coach a kid at a camp makes a big difference because not only are you do you get an up close look at what they're able to do, but you also get a feel for how well they can be coached, how coachable they are. Do they listen? Do they learn from things? And you know, one of the things coaching for a lot of years in both high school and college, one of the things about the really good players is they learn things a lot faster. So you know, you show them something and they pick it right up. And when you see them able to do that. For you in practice, I think it, it helps you, or in a camp, it helps you uh, really gauge their ability to play at this level. We have yet to talk about Colorado's quarterback commit, and that's Owen McCown from Rusk, Texas. I'm sure most people listening to this are aware that he is the son of Josh McCown, who played in the NFL for a really long time, and uh, he's got uncles that played in the league as well. And so he's a guy that, when you looked at the number one criticism of Brennan Lewis, it was reading defenses, being able to pick things up from the mental side of the game. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Owen McCown's going to come in and start from day one. He's not going to be an early enrollee. So I think that hurts his chances there. But right. when you kind of project him down the line, the fact that he is a guy that at the high school level was allowed to make checks at the line of scrimmage, which you don't see a whole lot of, is an aspect of him that I really like, uh, you know, coming on board as a quarterback. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that, that gives him, an, you know, and with his father's background as well, they probably sat and talked a lot and looked at looked at uh, secondaries and how to read them and what you're looking for on a defense. And he does seem to come in a lot more polished in terms of the mental aspects of the game. Um, you know, not the biggest guy ever. Probably needs to grow, get a little bit bigger. But uh, that's what people said about Coy Detmer, and he did okay. So I think McCown is a solid quarterback um, commit. And yeah, I, I think he's a guy that down the road gives us some depth, but I don't know that I would necessarily expect him to play next year. Just kind of going down the commitment list at this point, Victor Venn, pretty highly regarded guy. He had 24 offers early in the process. You know, schools like Florida State were on him early. Uh, Mississippi State made a late run at him. He's one of the fastest guys in Georgia. Uh, was part of uh, you know a really talented state championship four by two relay team last yeah. year, uh, kind of a versatile back. They're they're planning to they're hoping to at least take another back in this class. That other right. back would be a, a bigger back. But Victor Venn is a guy they've talked about having the ability to go out to the slot as well. He's got some pretty good, pretty fun video to watch as well. Yeah, and he's he's interesting. You know, we've gotten used to small backs his size at Colorado, from you know Speedy to Philip to. Uh, um, uh, Broussard. Yeah. And 
the difference is Victor Vance got speed beyond all three of those guys. I mean, he, he's certainly uh, out of those four guys by far much faster than any of those three coming in. So he's a guy who uh, on any given play literally can be a game breaker and, and could be very exciting, fun film to watch. Um, but yeah, he, he's a very exciting recruit and I'd like to see them bring in another running back, a little bit bigger size guy maybe, and have a little thunder and lightning going on. Joshua Wiggins is a cornerback commit for the Buffs. He's going to be an early enrollee. He's got pretty good length. He, he's listed at 6'1", uh, so you like the size he brings there. Uh, moving down the list, defense alignment Aaron Austin from the Fort Worth area. He had a, a real rough bout with COVID, lost a bunch of weight, and is still struggling to get back to 100%. So it's unfortunate that uh, – you know, th- that kind of took him out, but he did, he did still play his senior season. And I like some of the athleticism he showed there. I'm not, I don't quite know what to expect from him when kind of projecting him ahead to college though. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's really athletic and moves really well, but he's really small, you know, but then you look at the offers and a, and a lot of different power five coaches saw something in him. And I don't know if they're projecting him with a hand in the, in the ground, or they're going to try and stand him up or what, but you know, in your latest, uh, update about him after the after the COVID uh, incident you know he's 6'2 235 which is linebacker size so can he make a difference inside not for a while not until he gets bigger I I don't even see how you could put him on the field um, with a hand on the ground in our situation unless maybe it's a four-man front until he puts on some size so certainly got the athleticism and you know those offers make you open your eyes but you got to wonder about the size there and you know going back one thought to joshua wiggins you know if there's one if there's one area i think where this coach and staff has earned the benefit of the doubt it's in analysis of of defensive backs and cornerbacks based on the way those true freshmen played this year nico reed and those guys uh they certainly found those guys and they lived and they certainly exceeded their ranking so i'm sort of excited about wiggins and uh simian harris as well yeah, that's a good segue. We haven't talked about Keyshawn Mills, another cornerback uh, from Texas that's committed to them that didn't have the other power five interest. He's not a real talkative kid, so I haven't been able to talk to him a whole lot. Um, but I guess, yeah, if you're going to give the benefit of the doubt, that would be the spot. One guy that honestly, it shouldn't have taken us this long to talk about is Jordan Tyson. And he's real low in terms of the rating. Right. He went, he transferred to Allen high school in Texas, one of the top programs and just balled out, had an absolutely fantastic senior season, some really impressive highlight type catches throughout his senior season. He's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got a pretty, pretty thin frame. Yeah. And he's young for his grade. He's not going to turn 18 until August. So he's a guy that I could see really developing uh, and, and a guy that should probably be rated a little bit higher than he is based on what he did, again, playing at a high level yeah. in Texas. Well, well, he wound up at the highest level in Texas, which arguably is the highest level in America, frankly, of talent. And he just dominated those guys. And so you look at his offers and, and his rating now, and it seems kind of silly because um, this guy went and played against the big boys and made them look stupid. Yeah. I haven't talked about Xavier Smith yet. He's the most recent commit. Again, as of taping this show, he's from Georgia, broke his leg about four or five weeks ago, was having a really good year. Despite missing some time with that injury, he was still named his 
region's player of the year, a guy that uh, set some school records in track and field. Uh, this is going to be one of the lower rated guys when he finally does get a rating. I don't quite know what to expect here, but he's fact- expected to factor in at safety. That, that is a, a spot you need to bring, keep bringing in some talent because it always seems like CU is a, a little bit short on depth at that position. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We always seem to struggle there. We seem to find cornerbacks, but he's certainly got the size. And if if the speed holds up after he gets over the injury, um, he should be a guy that could factor in at safety and we'll have to wait and see. He's a guy you don't really know. You know, he's playing down there in Georgia and all all those schools, all those colleges down there. And you wonder why he didn't get more um, notice, but we'll have to wait and see what he brings to the table. So who should we be keeping an eye on? I think you start with a couple running back recruits. We had already talked about the fact that they like to bring on a bigger back to this class. And, right. you know, that's a position guys can come in and contribute early on. You, you still have Jarek Broussard in the program. Uh, Fontenot's probably back. We haven't heard anything to say otherwise there. Uh, but maybe it's not a bad idea to take a top prep guy as opposed to going to the transfer portal, just because again, those guys can come in and play pretty early. They got a couple of decent targets there late in the process. Four-star running back, Jaden Ott from Norco, California. He's going to decide between CU, Cal, BYU, UNLV, and Wisconsin. He's going to announce that on Wednesday, average 10 yards per carry as a senior. And then they brought up Andrew Paul from the Dallas area. And he just, went beast mode at the end of his high school career right. it was averaging close to 400 rushing yards for like the, in those three playoff games it was kind of incredible what he did and he's got some other schools michigan state auburn that are after him and he he visited boulder this past weekend so if they can get one of those two guys i think you'd be really happy with their running back call in this class yeah yeah for sure you know either one of those guys is a is a big deal coming in along with Victor Venn, you know, so as a, they would add a size uh, component to really fantastic speed with Ben and, you know, Jade not, I think is a guy who's certainly been highly sought after in our conference and was former Cal commit. So he would be a big, big um, commit for us, six foot, almost 200 pounds. So he's got that size already. Average about 10 yards a carry as a senior, which is pretty impressive. So I, I, I think we would love to see one of those two guys um, round that one out. I submitted a sip, uh, crystal ball forecast in favor of CU with Oki Salavea from American Samoa. It was a really good quarterback there, but it sounds like CU kind of projects him as a safety. He was committed to San Diego State early in the process, has some other schools, Utah looking at him late. He is scheduled to take an official visit to Colorado in January. His dad was a buff, a good player for the buffs, Oakland Salavea. And he's now that he was his coach at Tafuna high school out there in American Samoa. That, that's quite a trek for him. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, but, I, I was on a team cutting grass with Oakland for a couple of summers back in the day in the eighties, you know, everybody didn't stay on campus back in those days. Um, but uh, a couple of us did. And so we were on, teams cutting grass and stuff like that. And he was just a wonderful guy. So it's very exciting to see his son come along. Reminds me I'm getting old, but he's a guy, I think uh, also you throw him in there again in that sort of, sort of uh, thin safety position and see what he can do. But at 6'3", 200 pounds already, you know, he certainly can uh, bring you some size back there. Samuel 
Okulola. Hope I didn't just butcher that. I need to get clarification when I talk to him. Uh, he's an edge prospect from Massachusetts. Took a visit out to Colorado this weekend. I like the Buffs' chances here. He previously visited Georgia, Pittsburgh, and Virginia. His younger brother is one of the top offensive tackle recruits in the 2023 class. So uh, this would be a nice win for, for CU late and it would yeah. add to a, a good group of edge guys that they've already got on board. Yeah. I mean, I would consider him in that linebacker group as well. And certainly he's, you know, he's taken trips to places like Georgia and Pittsburgh and Virginia, um, Florida state's in the, in the mix there, Auburn. So getting him out here would be a big win for us, I think. And, you know, him and Kenny Soares, he's from Massachusetts and Kenny Soares from Connecticut could be our, our, uh, New England linebacker core someday down the road. But, you know, his size is very exciting to me, six four, two and a quarter, and he runs really well. So he's a guy that I'm very excited with. And uh, we could just call him Oak. <laughs> Larry Turner Gooden is a four-star safety prospect that is expected to pick between CU Maryland and Texas. Interesting here, William, he's going to be an early signee in an early enrollee, but he's not going to announce his pick until the All-American Bowl on January 8th. So he's going to go right from San Antonio after that high school all-star game and enroll at the college he's going to. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to keep that under wraps if he's signing on, right. on, uh, on Wednesday here, but uh, I guess you got to respect his wishes and let him yeah. announce on his own terms. Remember it, it didn't work out all that well with Jason Harris, but that was fun when he, you know, made that announcement on national television. Well, doesn't, uh, I mean, I don't know when they got to start doing paperwork for the academic, you know, getting admitted to the school and everything, but I don't know, maybe somebody, you know, they used to track flights to watch coaching, uh, see who was going where and coaching, maybe watching the uh, enrollment records or something. Ah, who knows? But you know, he's, he's a guy that looks like a grown man already um, at that safety spot. And he's somebody that you would certainly expect to uh, have, come in and, and especially as an early enrollee, probably, possibly, hopefully um, have an immediate impact on the safety position if he picked Colorado. Mentioned that some of the guys are going to be early enrollees. Xavier Smith, Kenny Soares, Travis Gray, Owen Carey, Joshua Wiggins are, are guys that are expected to be on campus in January. I mentioned Owen, Owen McCown is not expected to be an early enrollee. That kind of segues me to our next topic here, William, in terms of where to see you need to look to the transfer portal to fill in the gaps. And doesn't it feel like quarterback has to be one on that list, just in terms of bringing in a guy that can be a mid-year transfer that's going to provide legit competition. Right. JT Shroud's coming back from knee injury. Brennan Lewis has got to keep developing if he wants to maintain that spot as a starting quarterback. I feel like they, they need to bring in a, a top-level guy there. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, as we saw this past year, when, when you struggle with quarterback play, it really lowers the ceiling on your football team. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I think they absolutely need to bring in a guy who could be a starter at, for QB at us next year. You know, the question is, who is that? and Why would they come here? And, and how many of those guys are going to be out there? Uh, you know, on first glance, if you're a guy coming in, you're going to see, well, you know, uh, Brendan Lewis started every game as a freshman. I mean, I can't beat that guy out there, you know, going to not give me a chance. Right. So you wonder um, what they tell any of those guys if they're recruiting them to get them to come here. But I certainly think we need a legit qu quarterback 
and not just a body that fills a spot either, but a guy who can legitimately come in and, and um, fight for that starting position for us. I, I think we also need us. I'd like to see us bring in a safety who could start. I'd like to bring in a real honest to God, offensive lineman who could play now as well. And then, you know, there's three other positions I was thinking of. One is the defensive line. The other one is the defensive line. And then finally the defensive line is a place where we need to get some guys out of the portal. Not that, not that we need the starters necessarily, um, but we need to keep that pipeline going and, and get some more competition at that position. Yeah. It's unfortunate that Max Ray d- didn't pan out because I felt like that was exactly what they needed in terms of transfers last year. He came right. in and was injured throughout a lot of camp and then got the concussion. And we're not even sure if he's going to be able to play football again. Yeah. I had, I had offensive tackle number two on my list. Yeah. Jake Wiley got a lot of experience and I'm sure he's going to get better, but you, you got to bring in a guy that looks like he could be a starter at, at offensive tackle. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, you know, it's not an, it's, it's not, it's not obvious to me who the next center is. So um, there are some, certainly some good candidates in there, but not none of them that have really jumped out and showed me that they're absolutely ready to be a starting center at our level. So that position concerns me a little bit as well, but yeah, I'd like to have another, another big offensive tackle who could play right away and is legit to come in there. So we'll see what they can find. Quinn Perry, Robert Barnes, Jack Lamb, and Marvin Ham all gained experience with the Buffs. And I heard a lot of good things about Mr. Williams before he suffered a torn ACL in 2020. He came back, played some special teams this year. Would you be okay with that group being the group at inside linebacker going into camp, or would that uh, be, be cause for a lot of concern? I don't – well, I mean, I don't know. Almost everything about C football causes me a little concern these days, but um, – there's some good players in there. Uh, I, it, you know, it depends on who they can get and who's available. If, if they could get a legitimate big time linebacker, Hey, I'd be all for it because Quinn Perry hasn't shown me that he can play consistently in this, in this, at this level um, with regards to the passing game. He certainly seems to be fine, you know, against a, a team who wants to try to run up between the tackles, but that's not the majority of what we're facing. Um, and then I guess if you could take him, um, and uh, who's the guy that came from Oklahoma? Robert Barnes. Robert Barnes. If you could, if you could somehow match the two of them together, I think you'd have the perfect inside linebacker because I think Barnes is a lot more effective in pass coverage um, from that inside spot. And then the guy that kind of was really coming on late, late in the day to me was Jack Lamb, and so I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, and then there's still some other younger guys on there, and it'll be interesting to see what we do in spring, but I don't want to bring in just a guy. If, if they're going to bring in a linebacker, it's got to be somebody special. Yeah. I think on the edge, they're probably okay. Especially if they, you know, kind of close out how we think they might close out in terms of signing guys. In terms of the freshmen and such and, and who we, who's coming back. Yeah. I mean, if, especially if you can get guy Thomas back. Right. You know, with Josh Gustav. I think and, those two right there are quality starters. I really and, do. And I Devin thought. Grant, I mean, you can't – I mean, he was yeah, – he looked right? phenomenal in that Utah yeah. game. Really came along. So you've got three guys that I feel very, very good about going into the season with it outside the linebacker um, edge, however you want to call it these days. Uh, I, I, that's not a position I would particularly address in the uh, 
portal unless there's a, a you know a blue superstar that you know yeah. kind of can't pass up right in running back you especially if you get one of these late guys on board, you, you're looking pretty good there. Receiver, you're probably okay. Yeah, I think uh, so. And then uh, we're, what else? have we? Cornerback, you're definitely okay. You definitely okay. don't need to look to the – yeah, safety, you mentioned that. I, yeah. I can see bringing a guy – again, that always feels like a spot where they're one or two guys short in terms of quality depth. Right. That, and, and we uh, just – you know, the guys we bring in at safety, I, you know, that just never seems to work out. I don't – well, I guess I should say that. There, there's been some guys come in at safety, made a big difference for us in recent years. But that's a spot where I'd like to see a big-time player brought in as well. Just looking quickly back at the 2021 class, two of those guys have already hit the portal. Safety, Trustin Oliver, he's now going to Central Arkansas. And inside linebacker Sefania Mahaya is in the transfer portal. Uh, which of those guys are you most excited about in terms of their future? Who, who in that 2021 class, you know, the class they signed last winter, are, are really primed for a big breakout in 2022? Um, well, obviously, you got to start with Nico Reed because he's broken out, quite frankly, in those last couple of games with a Big time game winning interception and a and a kick return for a touchdown, and then Chase Penry I thought had a phenomenal season and showed that he's a very dangerous and effective wide receiver. Um, there, uh, Trevor, and then Trevor Woods is the third one who really showed me he can play. I, I would not be surprised if he's the I would, the starter next year at one of those safety spots. In fact, I'd kind of be surprised if he wasn't. So those three have already really sort of stepped up and made a name for themselves. Um, Tyron Taylor, I played a little bit in, at defensive back already, so he's another one. Ryan Williams was the talk of fall camp, but then didn't, didn't really play much, didn't play at all. So he's another one that you would like to see uh, follow up that fall camp with um, some more production. And I think Eric Olson, you know, is the top-ranked re- recruit in the class. If, if we can get an offensive coordinator that can figure out how to use the tight end, he should be somebody that makes a big difference as well. And then the, the guy that kind of I'm keeping my eye on is Tyus Martin. Give him that winter conditioning and spring to kind of get his body in shape and, and condition for what he needs to do at this level. And he could be a difference maker in the middle of the defensive line, I think. Yeah, I'm anxious to hear what Eric Olson does in terms of his development. I was out at a seven-on-seven camp last summer, and the guy that was his seven-on-seven coach in high school said that he – is convinced that Eric Olson's going to develop into a, a really good offensive tackle at some point. So that, I don't know. That, that, you know, we hear that almost weekly. It seems like on the board as well. Hey, let's turn this tight end into an offensive tackle. And I, I, it, it doesn't happen as often as people think it does. And and I'd much rather fill our offense offensive tackle spots with, with, you know, offensive tackles, but I don't know. I mean, I, you, I guess that guy has seen more from the kid than I have, but I still want to believe that Eric Olson can make a difference for us. If let me put it this way, if all of our tight end recruits wind up as offensive tackles, what are we going to do with tight end? Well, you've got like 14 of them on the team right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. There is that. Um, so I maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit there, but there was a time like within the last year where it felt like they, they had just gotten uh, crazy with adding these tight ends, which is interesting. Right. The, the, the latest guy they added there last year was Austin Smith. And he's a guy that 
has been hosting recruits almost yeah. every weekend. They've had official visitors. So, yeah. So and, I don't know how much you read into that, but uh, and obviously kind of he's a good ambassador for the program. And I guess it's kind of funny or ironic or something. You know, they bring in 20 tight ends and then they don't use them. I don't know. It doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. But um, we shall see what we get as an offensive coordinator, and maybe that's uh, something that becomes a bigger part of the offense. It's interesting. Ashton Logan was a commit for them last year, gray-shirted. Josh Watts says he wants to come back this year. You could bring in Ashton Logan and redshirt him, but – at the same time, you don't want to be spending too many of these scholarship spots on specialists, right? You know, right. kicker, you're yeah. good. You got Cole Becker there for the next three years. But at punter, it's it's tough to kind of carry two of those guys on a regular basis, at least. Yeah, yeah I would think so. Let me ask you a different question about a guy going into his second year. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Kyle Turley? Is he going to have the kind of results here that he had at Stanford? Kind of throwing Shannon, that at Shannon, at Shannon Turley. Yeah, Anna, Shannon Turley, excuse me, Kyle Turley with a great offensive lineman that in my brain, but throwing that at you out of left field and see if you can think on your feet. Well, everything he did at Stanford made him seem like an absolute cannot miss strength and conditioning coach. Right. right. And so you go back to that, right? Because I don't know how much you can get done as a strength and conditioning coach with one off season. And it wasn't. Yeah even the full off season that they normally see because the, you know, bowl season was kind of pushed back. These guys got a break. They didn't really start with Chanturley until February. I expected to see a little bit more out of that program, you know, especially from an injury prevention standpoint than we saw his first year. Right. And, but yeah, I mean, it just seemed like the way people talked about what he did at Stanford, that, uh, he was the key to their success during those yep. years. And so well, it, ju it just feels like you can't be that good at your job for a very long period of time and then forget right. how to do it. Right. Right. And, you know, and they, they, they put a lot of offensive linemen into high rounds of the NFL draft. And for the first several years, none of those guys were highly recruited. They were not four star guys. They were three star guys just like what we're signing and between him and their offensive line coach out there, they turned those guys into, uh, you know, first, second and third round draft picks. So certainly he had the magic when he was there and it's not that long ago. It's not like the whole uh, football world has changed and, and, and they're doing things differently now. And I would, you know, he, I remember you interviewed him early on and he said, look, this is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a couple of years. Uh, so, I'm yeah. just wondering if you, you know, what your thoughts were on that. And I, you know what, I got to say, I don't think our last strength coach did a bad job. We were, we were, we certainly looked pretty good up front on both sides of the ball in, in 2020. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Part of me too is just apprehensive to get hope and expectations out of whack. You know, we're just kind right. of, uh, a jaded, a jaded group at this point. It, it's been a, it's been a tough right. stretch. Yeah. It, it's hard to have, it's hard to believe in anything at this point. Cause you keep, you keep coming back year after year, you know, and I don't know for, a, for an old guy like me, it's Charlie Brown trying to kick the football and Lucy's always telling, no, it's going to be different this time. going to be different this time. And always winds up on his back. And I sort of feel like, you know, I, keep saying, Hey, you know, we're going to be okay. And we'll keep winding up on our back. And so it's hard to really have a lot of faith, but I think it's it, it, the strength coach is a piece of the puzzle. 
And then your position coaches, between your strength coach and your position coach on both lines, they they work together to develop guys. So if you don't have both components, um, it's not going to work. And so, you know, you got to look, you got to look and see who we assign as the offensive line coach. And then we got to see what Wilson does coaching that defensive line to wind up what we're with. But I'm very interested to see what happens with this strength program going forward. Awesome, William. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our preview here of the early signing period. Uh, quite a few guys we're excited about in this class. And, uh, you know, it's we're in that day and age with Twitter and everything where people want to know in finality how good this group is going to be. And it just right. it's going to take a few years to really determine, OK, is Carl Durrell out evaluating a lot of these other programs or are they you know, kind of in that Mike McIntyre recruiting standpoint where, yeah, you're getting some nice players, but you're not getting the consistent groups that are going to push this program to the next level. And we can't sit in here December 12th, 2021. We can't say, say definitively one way or the other. I know there's fans that are on both ends of that being you know optimistic or pessimistic right now. And I don't want to straddle a line here, but I mean, the truth is we're just not going to know for a few years. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, there's three aspects here. There's, there's evaluation, there's recruiting, and then there's development, right? Um, you know, recruiting, typically what we talk about is being able to convince guys to come play for you, right? And if you can convince the top rated guys and everybody's happy, but if you have really good evaluation skills and you have really good development skills, you can take guys that were relatively unknown and put them in the NFL because you see it every single year. And the question mark still remains about our evaluation, our coaches evaluation abilities and player development abilities, frankly, at this point. So I get people being skeptical about this class. I know you and I have gone through and identified quite a few guys that we like the look of, but Hey, I'm not sitting here saying that these guys are going to take us to a conference championship or anything all I can do is look at the film and tell you what I think I see and I like I like a lot of what I see here um would I like to see some of them have more power five offers yeah sure I don't know but I don't know you know I I I don't know what their situation is and why that's not the case but um I look at film of, of some of these guys and I like what I see awesome you did your homework there William I appreciate you for doing that and and again for joining me on the podcast Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I like doing it. So let's keep it going. All right. Yeah. Early signing period on Wednesday. It's going to be a big day for buffstampede.com. Even if you're not that big into recruiting, still come by the site. We're going to have a video on all these guys that are signing with the Buffs. So looking forward to it. And thanks for tuning in to this podcast.